Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa. Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see certaireland.ie. San Ysidro is a district of San Diego that sits on the southernmost part of the United States, bordering Tijuana. It started as a small community and grew as Tijuana grew as an entertainment destination in the 1920s. People would live in San Ysidro and work in Tijuana. The population would rise again after World War II as there was a housing shortage in San Diego. In 1957, San Ysidro was annexed by San Diego and became a district of San Diego instead of its own city. It's home to the fourth busiest border crossing in the world. James Huberty was a paranoid man who lost his job and believed the government was conspiring against him. He believed he had no hope of turning his life around and decided to end it all while taking as many people with him as he could. This is Monsters. At just after 4 p.m. on July 18, 1984, Officer Miguel Rosario received a call that an infant had been shot at the McDonald's in San Isidro. He was told that the infant was at the post office right next door to the McDonald's. 
Officer Rosario rushed to the McDonald's, but when he was only a few blocks away, he was informed that he was heading to the wrong location. There were two McDonald's restaurants in town, and he went toward the east side location first. So as soon as he was told he needed to go to the west side location, he turned around. When he arrived at the correct McDonald's, he actually pulled into the parking lot of the post office next door. His focus was on the post office because that's where the injured child was. He didn't really have any knowledge that there was an active shooting inside the McDonald's when he showed up. He would explain later that he just assumed that the baby was injured in an isolated incident somewhere near the McDonald's, but had no way of knowing that there was a gunman inside the restaurant. As the officer was walking from the cruiser to the front door of the post office, James stepped out of the restaurant and shot at him with an Uzi. The officer immediately took cover behind a truck and James opened fire trying to hit the officer from any angle he could, but was unsuccessful. Rosario immediately radioed dispatch and let them know he was under fire. James Huberty was born on October 11th in Canton, Ohio to Earl and Isel Huberty. He contracted polio at three years old and suffered walking difficulties for the remainder of his life as a result of the condition. When James was about eight years old, his family moved to a 155-acre farm in Pennsylvania Amish country, but his mother hated the idea of living there and she left the family instead of moving with them. Instead, she moved to Tucson, Arizona, where she became a Pentecostal street preacher. His mother's departure from the family devastated James and he spent the rest of his life withdrawn and angry. Growing up, James became interested in guns and was said to become somewhat of an amateur gunsmith. In high school, he was bullied due to his limp and his family's extreme religious beliefs. James's father eventually remarried and he had a lot of hostility towards his stepmother. His father said that when James left the house, he didn't have frequent contact with him. After high school, James enrolled in Malone College, now called Malone University, a private Christian college in Canton. He began studying sociology, but soon transferred to the Pittsburgh Institute of Mortuary Science. While at Malone College, James met a woman named Edna Markland, and they got married in 1965. Shortly after, James graduated with honors from the Institute of Mortuary Science and got his funeral director's license and his embalming license. James began working in a funeral home in Canton, but his antisocial behavior created conflict when he needed to deal with the public. After a few years as an embalmer, James changed career paths and began working as a welder for Union Metal Inc. With welding being a job that doesn't require much public interaction, he thrived in this position, receiving numerous promotions and raises. Not long after starting work as a welder, the couple moved to a more upscale area in Massillon, Ohio. In 1971, their house was destroyed in a fire, and when firefighters inspected the home after the blaze, they reported finding a large collection of firearms, including one fully automatic weapon. The couple ended up buying another house on the same street, then they built a six-unit apartment complex on the lot where their first house had been. They began managing the apartments. In 1972, they had their first child, a daughter named Zalia, and then their second child, Cassandra, in 1974. James became increasingly abusive to both his wife and children. Once, Etna had filed a report with the Canton police stating that James had struck her and quote-unquote messed up her jaw. The Canton Department of Children and Family Services reported that he had slapped or punched his daughters multiple times. Etna repeatedly suggested that James get counseling for his problems, but he refused. 
In an effort to reduce James's stress and hostility, Etna convinced James that she was able to see his future by reading tarot cards. James believed her, and after a reading, he would generally calm down and often follow her recommendations. He was a menace in the neighborhood, and other people who lived there said he kept a ledger of any perceived slights against him. He told people that he always paid his debts, good or bad. He encouraged his daughters to fight two other neighborhood girls who they weren't getting along with. Police in the area said they got regular complaints from neighbors, from noise complaints to complaints about the attack dogs he was training. Etna was also arrested in 1981 for four counts of menacing when she pointed a 9mm pistol at a neighbor during an argument about noise. By 1983, James was laid off from his job and soon afterward was in a motorcycle accident that left him with neck pain and tremors in his hands, making him no longer able to do welding work. At this time, James had grown paranoid and believed that the U.S. government was conspiring against him, including President Jimmy Carter and then President Ronald Reagan. He believed that the Cold War would escalate and that there would be an economic collapse or a nuclear war. He began stocking up on weapons and non-perishable food. The few people that did go inside their house said that there were so many guns inside that James was never out of reach of one of them, no matter where he was. The guns were loaded and kept with the safety catch off. James believed that they could sell their properties and that the money would last them longer if they lived in Mexico. So he applied for residency in the country and after selling the apartment complex for $115,000 and getting another $12,000 from their home, they put most of their belongings into storage and moved to Tijuana. James, not speaking much Spanish, was not able to find a job. Shocker. Within three months, James realized that he had made a bad decision and the family moved back to the U.S. settling in San Ysidro, California in January of 1984. Once there, James found a job as a security guard and after completing training, he began a position guarding a condominium complex in Chula Vista. On July 10th, though, James was let go due to poor work performance. On July 15th, James finally admitted that he needed help with his mental health and told Aetna that he was ready to seek counseling. Two days later, he called a local mental health clinic and requested an appointment. The receptionist took down his contact info and told him that someone would call him back. Unfortunately, since he had seemed so calm, the receptionist marked the call as a non-emergency, which put it into a queue of calls that needed to be returned within 48 hours. Mr. Huberty called the clinic and was asked uh, uh, a series of five questions, which are typical screening questions, and uh, answered all those questions in the negative and did not want to speak about his problem and uh, was told that he would be called back for an appointment uh, within a day or two. And uh, that was the nature of the telephone conversation, which happened, of course, the day before the event. Uh, he's described as polite and rational on the phone with no indication at all of any crisis or undergoing any serious uh, uh, mental illness. James waited by the phone for hours, but when he didn't receive a return call, he took off on his motorcycle and his family didn't know where he was for hours. When he returned, Etna said he was in a decent mood, so the family had dinner and then rode their bicycles to the park. After that, they put the kids to bed and James and Etna watched a movie on the television. Aetna also said that James had been prescribed Valium back in Ohio and that it worked really well for him, but since they had moved, she wasn't able to get it for him anymore, something James failed to mention when he called the mental health facility. He could have 
said that he had been taking Valium and had no Valium, and that would, would that have been grounds for him to, to be seen immediately? Definitely. <clears throat> Anytime we have patients who have run out of a prescription medicine and their symptoms have returned and are a major focus uh, in the disorder, there would definitely be reasons to, uh, and we get those calls all the time. On July 18th, James had to go to court in Claremont for a traffic ticket. He brought his family with him and they patiently waited for his turn to address the court. He explained that he had recently moved from Ohio and that he wasn't aware that what he did was wrong. The judge suspended his ticket and the family left and had lunch at a McDonald's across the street from the courthouse. On their way south from there, they decided to go to the San Diego Zoo. While there, James said to Aetna, quote, well, society had its chance. Aetna wasn't sure what he meant, but she just brushed it off. When they got home, Aetna took a nap and a few hours later, James woke her up to give her a kiss goodbye. When she asked him where he was going, he said he was, quote, going hunting humans. Aetna assumed that he was in yet another one of his bad moods and trying to push her buttons, so she ignored him. He grabbed three firearms, wrapped them in a blanket, and as he headed out the front door, he looked at Zelia and said, quote, Goodbye, I won't be back. He got in his car and drove less than a block into the parking lot of the McDonald's on West San Ysidro Boulevard. At 3.59 p.m., James Huberty walked into the front door of the McDonald's that was less than a block from his apartment. He was carrying a 9mm Browning HP semi-automatic pistol, a 9mm Uzi carbine, and a Winchester 12-gauge pump-action shotgun. He immediately aimed the shotgun at 16-year-old John Arnold, who was working behind the counter and pulled the trigger. Luckily for John, the weapon failed to fire and the teen walked away, thinking the whole thing was a sick joke. Restaurant manager, 22-year-old Neva Kane, approached the counter right as James was able to get the shotgun to fire and the shot went into the ceiling. Then he grabbed the Uzi and fired one shot which hit Neva just beneath her left eye, killing her. He pointed the shotgun at John again, this time hitting him in the chest. John would go on to recover from his wound. James turned toward the patrons in the dining room and ordered everyone onto the ground. He yelled at the customers, calling them dirty swine Vietnam assholes. People that survived the shooting would later say that he claimed he was a Vietnam veteran, though none of that was true. He told the patrons that he had killed a thousand and would kill a thousand more. 25-year-old Victor Rivera, who had been eating with his wife and kids, stood up and pleaded with the gunman not to shoot anyone else. In response, James shot him 14 times, screaming at him to shut up the whole time. Victor died from his wounds. He turned his focus to a group of women and children and shot 19-year-old Maria Colmenero Silva in the chest, killing her. Then he fired the Uzi at both 15-year-old Imelda Perez and her 9-year-old sister, Claudia. Imelda survived a single shot to her chest, but Claudia died after being hit nine times. James also shot anyone he saw outside of the restaurant as well. He shot a family of three walking from the parking lot into the restaurant. He hit all three, 31-year-old Astolfo Felix, 23-year-old Maricela Felix, and their four-month-old daughter, Carlita. Astolfo grabbed the baby and ran to the post office next door to get help, and Maricela collapsed next to a vehicle. At 4 p.m., a 911 call came in reporting the shooting. Astolfo had run into the post office and passed his daughter off to a stranger, begging them to help before running back outside to check on his wife. The caller said that she had a stranger's baby who had been shot and she told the operator that they were at the San Ysidro post office. We'll be right back. 
You know, we all have favorite photos from vacations, family events, birthdays, pets, and I have pictures that I cherish so much that I turn those into beautiful works of art. If you want to get one done like myself, or give a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try First Art Gallery. They created a beautiful portrait of my sons together, which is breathtaking. First Art Gallery do professional hand-painted portraits created from any photo at a truly affordable price, or combine photos of people or places that you love into one painting. They have a team of world-class artists and will work with you until every detail is perfect. Their user-friendly platform makes it easy to order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. Very quick, very easy. I absolutely love my painting, and right now there's a limited-time offer. Get $35 off your painting. That's right, $35 off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word MONSTERS to 69000. Terms apply, available at firstartgallery.com forward slash terms. Survivors of the shooting said that James had brought a radio with him, and one employee initially thought he was going to listen for news reports about his attack. But instead he just started playing music, dancing around while shooting people. Keith Thomas was 12 years old at the time, and he was there with his best friend, 11-year-old Mateo Herrera, and Mateo's parents, Ron and Blythe Herrera. Keith was shot multiple times, but he was mostly shielded by Ron, who was shot seven times while shielding Keith. Keith and Ron survived their wounds, but unfortunately Blythe and Mateo were both shot and killed. James continued to shoot people inside and outside of the restaurant. As three boys, Joshua Coleman, David Delgado, and Omar Hernandez, all 11 years old, were walking with their bikes from a nearby donut shop to the McDonald's, all three would be shot. Joshua was the only one to survive his wounds. As Joshua lay on the pavement outside, struggling to get enough air, he watched his 74-year-old Miguel Victoria and his 69-year-old wife, Ada Victoria, open the door to the restaurant to have a quick meal together. James shot Ada as she opened the door, and as Miguel bent down to care for his wife, he was also shot. They both died right outside of the front door. Officer Miguel Rosario was first on the scene, though he was originally dispatched to the wrong McDonald's. When he arrived, he was met by gunfire from James, shooting out of the front entrance of the McDonald's. He would later be criticized for saying that, at one point, he crawled to a position where he briefly had a shot of James inside the restaurant, but he didn't take the shot. He said that he didn't know if there were other shooters or if he'd be able to get an accurate shot through the glass. Back inside, James would continually shoot all around inside the restaurant. This caused bullets to fly in every direction as they ricocheted off the stainless steel kitchen equipment. He found 24-year-old Guadalupe Del Rio and 31-year-old Aristelsi Vargas and shot them both. Guadalupe would survive her wounds, but Aristelsi would die later in the hospital from the gunshot wound to the back of the head. She was the only fatality who made it to the hospital before she died. James would pause his shooting at times. Then he would go up to victims that had already been shot and shoot them again, even if they weren't moving. Many of the people who were trying to play dead would end up being shot anyway. One woman was completely unaware of the massacre happening inside and pulled her car up to the drive through window. When she saw James inside spraying patrons with gunfire, she threw the car in reverse and ended up crashing into a fence. She and her two-year-old daughter hid in the car throughout the attack and were unharmed. Then James announced that he needed everyone who was still alive inside the restaurant to be quiet and to quiet their kids. He told them that he was getting anxious and that he didn't want to have to kill children. 
a strange declaration seeing as he had already shot and killed several children. Some of the younger kids weren't staying quiet, so James proceeded to go around the room and shoot the children. By this time, Estolfo, Marcella, and Carlita were taken to different hospitals where they had surgery and recovered from their wounds. It was weeks before Carlita would be reunited with her parents, but despite being shot in the head and the abdomen, she recovered. Inside the McDonald's, another infant was not so lucky. James shot 11-year-old Aurora Pena with a shotgun, but her body was being mostly shielded by her aunt, 18-year-old Jackie Reyes. James used the Uzi to shoot Jackie 48 times, killing her and her unborn baby. As her son, 8-month-old Carlos Reyes, sat next to her crying, James shouted at the baby and then shot him once in the back, killing him. After 30 to 40 minutes of shooting in the restaurant's dining room, James found a group of employees that had been hiding in the kitchen. He opened fire at them, killing 18-year-old Margarita Padilla, 19-year-old Elsa Borboa Furro, and 21-year-old Paulina Lopez. He shot 17-year-old Albert Leos four times before running out of bullets. One employee tried to run out the back door, but it was locked, so she went down the stairs at the back of the kitchen and hid in a closet. When James went to reload his weapon, Albert managed to crawl down the stairs and also hide in the closet. He was in an immense amount of pain, but couldn't make any sound in order to keep their location a secret. He bit down on a cloth to help stay quiet, and he used his shoelaces to tie around some of his wounds to slow the bleeding. As James came back into the restaurant, he was admiring his handiwork when he saw Aurora Pena open her eyes. In a rage, he threw a bag of fries at her while shouting obscenities. Then he used his shotgun to shoot her three more times. Despite her extensive wounds, she survived the attack. The people inside the restaurant began wondering where the police were. This man was shooting and shooting and shooting, and no one was coming to their rescue. Officer Rosario had arrived at the scene fairly early on in the course of the attack, but he was waiting for backup. When other officers arrived, they would later say that there was no cover outside of the building to allow them to advance. They attempted to make it to the front of the building to render aid to the three kids who had been shot, but James drove them back with fire from his Uzi. They cordoned off a six-block area and claimed to have contained the attack, but they didn't ever attempt to stop the shooter. The SWAT team arrived at about 4.40 p.m. and spent the next 20 minutes developing a plan. It wasn't until 5.02 p.m. that a SWAT sniper took a position on the roof of the post office with his spotter. It was a 110-foot shot into the McDonald's. It was difficult to see inside because the windows were tinted and the glass was laminated. This meant that, even though there were bullet holes in the glass, it hadn't completely shattered and the spider webbing further distorted the view through the windows. It wasn't until James himself fired outside, breaking out the glass on one of the front entry doors, that the sniper would get his opportunity to take the gunman out. After shooting out the door, James sat on the order counter in the restaurant, reloading his magazine. The sniper said he could see his legs dangling off the counter. Once James was finished reloading, he hopped off the counter and walked right in front of the broken door. His head was hidden behind the door jam, but the sniper was able to take a clean shot through James Huberty's heart, killing him. An autopsy would reveal that the bullet severed his aorta just below his heart and traveled through his spine, exiting his back. The medical examiner said that he would have died almost immediately. He was 41 years old. 
Officers went inside and began rushing survivors outside to waiting ambulances. They searched the restaurant, making sure there weren't any other shooters, and when they went downstairs, they found a group of employees hiding in the closet. They got the employees to safety, and Albert was rushed to the hospital. The shooting lasted for 77 minutes. James Huberty killed 21 people, 22 including the unborn baby, and wounded 19 others. The police were immediately criticized for taking far too long to stop the gunman. Jerry Sanders, the former SWAT commander, claimed that, during the entire 77 minutes, police didn't know what was going on inside the restaurant. He claimed that the sun made it so you couldn't see inside the building at all. News reporters at the scene, however, described watching through the windows as James shot and killed multiple people. There was also the fact that three 11-year-old boys and an elderly couple were lying dead or wounded outside of the restaurant. They also tried to claim that most of the people were murdered within the first 10 minutes of the attack, but people who were inside the building said otherwise. Albert Laos, the McDonald's employee who was shot, who is now a San Diego police officer himself, said that that claim was false. He said that he and his fellow co-workers weren't shot until at least 35 minutes into the attack. Not only is their claim untrue, but even if everyone was shot within the first 10 minutes, wouldn't you want to get them medical treatment as soon as possible? Not everyone James shot died immediately. Many of them died while waiting for police to do something. Allowing wounded victims to wait 67 minutes for treatment isn't really any better. Then there's Ron Herrera, who not only lost his wife and son in the shooting, but he himself was shot multiple times, some of which were 45 minutes apart. James would take breaks from shooting, but then he would go around the dining room and shoot people who were already dead or wounded. Ron was shot near the beginning of the attack, but then James came back and shot him again 45 minutes later, while the SWAT team was on the scene. The SWAT commander would go on to blame mass shootings on deranged people, but violent crime is actually rare amongst people with mental illness. Those people are actually far more likely to be the victims of violent crime than be the perpetrators as published in The Lancet in February of 2020. The general public doesn't seem to understand that, though. Of Americans who were surveyed about how dangerous they felt people who fit into various categories were, 60.9% of them believed that people suffering from schizophrenia were likely to carry out some type of violent act. The truth is, people with schizophrenia have the lowest occurrences of violence within a year at 14.8%, and those occurrences are usually at home with people they know. People who suffer from drug or alcohol addiction are actually the most likely to commit a violent act against a stranger. A Department of Justice study showed that only 4.3% of homicides in the United States are committed by someone who suffers from a mental illness. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, but you just described a case where someone with mental illness committed a mass shooting. And you would be correct, but one or two anecdotes about something does not mean the statistics are not true. Unfortunately, people with mental illness commit mass murder in the U.S. quite often, but that's not because they commit the most mass murders. It's because such a staggering amount of mass murders happen here that even less than 5% of them seem like a lot. The day after the massacre, James's wife called the news and said that she wanted to tell her story. She said James used to shoot guns in the basement of their home in Ohio. She also said he was extremely anti-immigrant, especially people from Mexico. 
which could be supported by the fact that almost all of his victims were Hispanic. At the same time, it was likely that he would have run into mostly Mexican immigrants at that McDonald's due to its proximity to the Mexican border. The strange thing about that, though, is he himself was an immigrant. He moved from the U.S. to Mexico, which would make that allegation extremely hypocritical if true. The McDonald's Corporation remodeled the restaurant with plans to reopen, but after more consideration, they changed their mind. The restaurant was demolished, and McDonald's donated the land to the city with the stipulation that no other restaurant be built there. The land was eventually sold to Southwest College with an agreement that the area in front of the property would be reserved as a memorial for the massacre victims. The surviving victims and the families of the deceased filed a lawsuit against McDonald's and the San Diego Police Department, but the suits were eventually dismissed. I do agree that a commercial business can't be responsible if someone wants to barge in their establishment and start shooting people, but it seems that the San Diego Police Department could have taken more swift action and reduced the amount of lost lives. Though McDonald's wasn't legally responsible for the shooting, they did donate $1 million to a victim's relief fund. In 1986, Edna Huberty filed a $5 million lawsuit against McDonald's and James's former employer, claiming that a combination of chemical exposure from welding and poor diet from eating McDonald's food was the reason he committed the shooting. They presented the autopsy findings of high levels of lead and cadmium in his body and claimed that it was the result of 13 years of welding with improper safety equipment. They said that that, in combination with high levels of monosodium glutamate, caused him uncontrollable rage. The lawsuit was dismissed in 1987. Zelia Huberty did an interview in 2015 where she said that if she could go back in time and kill her father before that day, she would. She said she spent her life trying to be the exact opposite of her father and became a nurse so that she could help people. She refers to that as her therapy. Nobody knows for sure why James walked into a McDonald's and murdered as many people as he could. Was he frustrated about his job prospects? Probably. Did he hate Mexican immigrants? Maybe. The one thing we do know is, instead of solving his problems, he chose to become a monster. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can also check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our new merch at Teespring. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. Hi everyone, this is Jillian with Court Junkie. Court Junkie is a true crime podcast that covers court cases and criminal trials using audio clips and interviews with people close to the cases. 
Court Junkie is available on Apple Podcasts and podcastone.com. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CERTAIreland.ie.